5, if you'll turn there. I'm going to start reading at verse 15. There are a number of things in your bulletin. Five, if you'll turn. Five, if you'll turn. Going over it, so make sure that five, if you'll turn. Ladies, you have ladies Bible studies to sign up for. The ladies morning study at 9:30, starting on the 14th. We do have child care for that. Thursday evening, we do not have child care for the evening study. Seven o'clock, beginning September 21st, or sign-ups and um, other things that are there in your bulletin. And uh, so men's Bible study has started, guys, Tuesday nights. And then also the youth are going to high schoolers to Tim Hawkins' show. So parents, um, all the information is upstairs in the youth room. Everything else, take a look at First Friday's Young Marrieds on September the 1st, a week from um, Friday. So September's coming on us real quick. And then Home Educators Fellowships. Uh, Mom's Night Out on Tuesday, September 5th. So take a look at that. Get it on your calendar. But we want to get into our study. I'm looking forward, you know, just watching all these kids uh, head up in the youth room. Uh, what a blessing it is. And by the way, if you need a Bible, just raise your hand. Jerry will get you a Bible, and you can follow along with us because we're going to be in Chapter 5 and move into Chapter 6 of Ephesians tonight. Um, but uh, just seeing all the kids go up and seeing the children's ministry rooms full, um, I'm really excited about tonight and what the Lord's going to minister to all of us. And whatever state that you're in, whether you're a single parent, uh, you're a grandparent, uh, married couples, uh, if you're single here tonight, uh, maybe these are things that are going to help you uh, someday and, and minister to you if the Lord brings you a spouse and you have a family. So I hope it's beneficial to every single one of us that are here and as we go through this, one of the things I want to say, first of all, as we talk about standing firm as a family, we're going to talk about, you know, um, the home. We're going to talk about uh, the atmosphere of the home, responsibilities and roles of husbands and wives very quickly, how to raise our children in the ways of the Lord. None of us do this perfectly. So this is not a night to, you know, for you to feel condemned or come out of here feeling, oh, man, I just failed so much but to know that the Lord desires to really take these things and minister to your heart, and then we need Him. We need to rely on Him, and I want you to know that God wants to bless your marriage. He wants to bless your family. He wants to bless your kids, and we are living in a culture and a society that is coming against the family at such a, um, a terrible rate um, in that the attacks and the deception and the darkness that is out there and the enemy has many means to get into our lives as a family, our children, our marriages. And so what my prayer is, is that this really is going to bless you as we go through these things. So Lord, we just lift up this study to you. How important it is for us to understand these truths that you've written in your word. And Lord, the wonderful thing about being a Christian is, is that we can look to you to help us. And Lord, um, this is... Um, something that as we go over it, none of us are perfect in. Uh, we all have failings. We all have shortcomings. But Lord, you're the one that can strengthen us and help us to be the husband, the wife, the parent, the grandparent. Maybe at a single state, maybe you're going to be able to minister to others. Uh, maybe you're going to be able to minister to other family members. But Lord, we can gain so much from what we're going to go over here today. So I pray that right now we would be attentive to the things that you want to show us because the family is under attack today. There is the splintering and the fracturing of marriages and families to a great degree. And Lord, we need you. And we need to hear truth. And we need to be encouraged and have a heart surrendered to you, depending on you every single day and how you want us to live. So thank you for these words of truth that we're going to go over. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Ephesians, as you know, we went over Ephesians not too long ago. We went over the prison epistles. And Paul, when he wrote the book of Ephesians, he has a pattern that we see in some of his epistles. One is he makes sure that we understand who we are in Christ. The blessings we have in Christ, the position that we have in Christ. And, and Ephesians certainly does that. In chapters 1, 2, and 3, he takes us to the heavenlies, doesn't he? He tells us of all the spiritual blessings that are ours in Christ. So he gives us a good understanding of 
who we are in Christ, the blessings we have in Christ, our position in Christ, how much he loves us, how he wants to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. And I think that's really important for us to understand that being a Christian is got a, such a wonderful position um, that we belong to another kingdom, that we belong to the creator of the universe who has saved us and forgiven us, who loves us so much and the heavenly blessings that are ours and inheritance. And as we go over those, those blessings in the book of Ephesians, chapters 1, 2, and 3, how he has made us alive spiritually, how we've been saved by grace, we are his workmanship, his poem, created for good works. You just can't help but just marvel at his incredible grace and love that has been bestowed upon us. And then what Paul does, after we have a good understanding of the blessings that we have in Christ, then he says, this is how you live for Christ. In chapters 4, 5, and 6, that I beseech you to walk worthy of the calling in which you are called. And so in chapter 4, we see this is how you are to walk, how you are to live as a Christian. And he goes in chapter 4 and he says, what you're to do is you are to put on the new man. You're to put off the old man. It's like putting off an old set of clothes concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according uh, to the deceitful lust, and you be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And in these prison epistles, particularly Philippians, which is another prison epistle, Paul writing in his first imprisonment in Rome, he talks a whole lot about renewing your mind, how it is that you think, what it is that you're putting into your mind. And I can't emphasize enough how important it is for you and I as Christians that we be putting the Word of God into our minds, getting it down into our hearts, but the things of God that we are to, to be thinking about and to be focusing on and to you know, set our hearts and minds on is God's truth and His wisdom and the goodness and, of God, His righteousness, because there's so much of the world that is out there that will come and pollute our minds, right, and corrupt our minds. So he talks about renewing your mind, not corrupting your minds, and then you don't grieve the Holy Spirit, but what you're to do, put off all the anger and bitterness and those kinds of things and wrath, clamor and evil speaking, and then you are to put on that which is love and tenderheartedness and forgiving one another. So those are the things that are very important for you and I to remember. Listen, we've got to put off the old man to make a decision in our hearts and in our lives to say, Lord, you know what? I don't walk after the former lust, but I belong to you. And I'm going to renew my mind in the things of the Lord, in the spirit of the Lord, in the truth of the Lord that I'm going to take in and not allow my mind to always be corrupted with the things of the world and the things that are dark and evil. Because it's so easy for us to have that happen. And I'm going to put off these things that are worldly and anger and bitterness and wrath and all these other things. And then I'm going to put on Christ and the things of the Spirit. So he goes on and he says, you walk in love, be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself to us. So we walk in his love and that's the key to love him, to know him. As you know him, you can't help but love him. To walk in that love, to be a sweet smell and aroma unto Christ. And he goes on and he says, this is what it means to walk in love. You're not going to be walking in the things of the world. You're not going to be given to filthiness and foolish talking and coarse jesting and all of this. But you're going to be given thanks. Let no one deceive you with empty words for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience and then he says you're to walk in light the wonderful thing about being a Christian is we don't have to walk in deception do we we don't have to walk in darkness but we walk in the light and he goes on and he talks about that finding out what is acceptable you know it to the Lord and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness but to stay away from it. And then he says to walk in wisdom. And this is where I want to pick it up at verse 15. As he says, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. So that word circumspectly, it means carefully. So as we talk about how it is our position in Christ, then how we live for Christ, first of all, 
he's telling us here in this section that we're going to go over that we are to walk very carefully. Don't walk foolishly, but we are to be careful in the way that we walk and to walk in wisdom is what you and I are to do. Walk in that wisdom. And we've talked a lot about being wise because wisdom comes from God. There is worldly wisdom and there is uh, heavenly wisdom. There is God's wisdom given to us in his word. So he says, be careful, you know, don't walk as fools, but as wise. And verse 16, redeeming the time because the days are evil. One of the ways that we can walk wisely is redeem the time. In other words, don't waste a lot of time. And that's something for us to pray about. It's not just, you know, you're sitting and chilling out. What it's talking about is you don't be wasting a lot of time. I'm not to be wasting a lot of time on, you know, watching things that are going to corrupt their minds and being involved in activities that are going to be nothing but carnal and sinful and it's going to bring us down and wipe us out. Redeem the time. So in that time that we have, we are to be about the things of the Lord, thinking about the Lord, taking in the word of the Lord. That's what we are to be doing. But what can happen is, is that we can waste so much time in worldly things and watching stupid stuff and taking in things that really corrupt our minds. So we need to be careful how we spend our time. So he says, walk carefully. You know, don't walk as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Verse 17, do not be drunk with wine, which is the dissipation, but be filled with the spirit. So this is very important. Be filled with the spirit, knowing what God's will is for you. And the main way that we can know what God's will is for us is studying God's word, his commandments and precepts that are given to us, his promises given to us, as he desires to guide us in the decisions that we make. And we talked about that quite extensively last time, didn't we? And how to stand firm in godly decisions, to trust in him with all of our heart, lean not on our own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. And to know that he wants to direct us as we are parents, as husbands and wives, as grandparents, as we raise our children in our families, the decisions that we make, he wants to direct us. But we got to make sure that we're not filling our minds. And here he says, don't be drunk with wine. And we think, well, that's obvious, which is the dissipation, you know, being completely filled, you know, uh, to, to overwhelming, overflowing is what that word means, that we don't want to be in that place where our minds are so corrupted in the influence of obviously wine and, uh, or alcohol and drugs that is plaguing our society to a great degree. It is such a destructive work that we see in families and marriages and it breaks our hearts when we look around when it affects us and so we need God's help we want to be filled with the Spirit the Spirit of God that will help us be free from those things but listen it's not only that but anything that will come into your mind and fill your mind that would cause you to walk in an ungodly way and make ungodly decisions. You know, in the book of Leviticus in chapter 10, Aaron, who was the high priest, and his sons were going to be the line of the priesthood and the descendants of Aaron. And two of his sons, when they would dedicate the tabernacle, they lit their censers, ran into the tabernacle, they offered profane fire, and they ended up being consumed by the Lord, consumed by fire. And the Lord would come to Aaron, and he would say, Aaron and your other two remaining sons, listen, when you go into the Holy of Holies, when you go into the tabernacle, that's where the presence of God was, that make sure that you're not intoxicated with wine, which gives the implication that those guys that were consumed by fire, his other two sons, were. They were intoxicated with wine. He says, don't do that. And your sons, tell them not to do that that you may be able to discern what is good and between what is good and evil, what is, you know, holy, unholy, what is clean, what is unclean. And if you're filling your mind with a bunch of worldly things and philosophy, you're not going to be able to discern between what is good and what is evil, you know, what is truth, what is false, what is holy, what is unholy. 
Your mind's going to be polluted. Be filled with the Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit in you, believer, to teach you and to guide you, to speak to your heart. As you read the Word of God, to, to convict you, and always the conviction is to draw you to the Lord, to teach you, to exhort you. So make sure that you're being sensitive to the leading of the Lord. And in verse 19, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So the atmosphere of your home here that I like to think of is that your home is to be a place where the things of God are spoken of, the praises of God are being heard. The peace of God is in your home. Are you talking about the things of the Lord in your home? Are you making melody in your heart to the Lord? It doesn't mean you have to go around singing. Ah, you can if you want. But are the things of the Lord being spoken? Are you having a heart that is expressing your home to God, giving thanks always for all things? Is the Lord a priority in your home? When people come into your home, do they sense the peace of the Lord and that the Lord is there? And that he is the priority of your home, of your house. I like that little story. I'm going to read it to you in Mark's gospel in chapter 1. Uh, many of you know it. In, in chapter 1, it talks about how the Lord went to Peter's house and healed his mother-in-law. And we read in verse 29, Now as soon as they had come out of the synagogue, they entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. But Simon's wife, mother, lay sick with a fever, and they told him about her at once. So he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and immediately the fever left her, and she served them. And I like that little vignette for a couple reasons, because I believe that Jesus, we know that Capernaum was the town of Jesus. He spent more t time in that little village up in the Galilee region than any other place in his earthly ministry. And Jesus spent more time in Peter's house than in the other house in Capernaum. And it's also, you know, interesting that you can read scholars that say when, when Jesus was in the house, that many of them believed that was Peter's house. So here is Jesus spending time at Peter's house. They come from the synagogue, and, and they come to Peter's house where there's a fever in his mother-in-law, and he brings healing. But we learn so much from just that little vignette because Jesus should be a priority and his presence is in our homes and understand that Satan is going to try to have influence and he is going to try to have presence into your home and he has many means to do it we've already talked about it so easy for him to get a foothold and, and to, to get influence into our homes through cable TVs and the computers and through the smartphones and social media and all of that so satan wants to take and use that as a tool to have influence in your life in your marriage to your kids and remember that satan will use any means in any way in all possible avenues to get into your family to corrupt your kids to bring division in your marriage. To bring temptation and division and fracturing and splendoring of any kind. So parents, listen. You've got to protect your homes. You've got to protect your homes from the presence of feverish and devilish things and Satan's influence. And make sure that the Lord's presence is a priority that he's in your home. They came from church, the synagogue, and they went to Peter's house. And I know that as Hebrews declares to you and to me, do not forsake the assembly of ourselves together as is the manner of some, especially as you say the day approaching. Now I can say I'm preaching to the choir because you guys are here. But I also know this, that I've seen it over and over again where Christians, they will come to church for a little bit. They're excited about studying the Word. They'll come out on Wednesday nights. They'll come on Sundays. They'll join a lady study or whatever. But after a year, after two, after a short time, well, I've been to church. I've studied God's Word. And all of a sudden, they begin to drift away from being in fellowship at church and learning God's Word. 
And I know that the Lord still loves you, and going to church doesn't make you a Christian, but there is benefit and blessing by belonging to a body of believers and being here and going through the Word of God like we do and being prayed for and encouraged and blessed in every way. So don't get to the mindset that I see happen so often in people's lives. Well, we've been to church. We've kind of done that, and we've gone a while, and we've got other things that we'd rather do, and we make it very easy in the technology because we have live stream, which is a blessing. Because there are people listening on live stream. And so I'm not getting on you guys that are listening on live stream right now. So, but it is a blessing when you can't make it. And, and it's a blessing for shut-ins. And it's a blessing. We got people from outside of this region that belong to this church that they listen to us on live stream. Or you can, you know, download the teaching. And it's easy to do that, but then be out of fellowship with other believers. There's many distractions that can come into our lives, excuses. Well, the kids are growing up. There's a lot of activities on the weekend and sports and things like that. You have to decide what is a priority for you and your family. I have seen it where kids, they love the children's ministry. They love coming to youth. And they have said, when I've seen them, I want to come to church, but my parents, it's not important to them. The parents say, no, I'm too tired. I want to sleep in on Sunday. The Broncos are on. You know, you guys enjoy the Broncos. But there's no reason to miss church because of the Broncos because we got three Sunday morning services. So you have opportunity to come and be in fellowship. Make it a priority because your kids are going to learn from you. Listen, I've talked to a lot of families. And I've talked to parents that they didn't make it a priority, you know, and other things became a priority than being in church and being in fellowship and encouraging the kids to come, for them to worship, to be studying God's word together as a family, for them to be blessed in the children's ministry. And after time, you know, it's like, well, we'll make it to church once in a while. We'll see you in six months because we got these activities going on and stuff. And I'll tell you the truth on this. The parents have come back when their kids leave high school and they're on their own, and they say, we regret doing that. Because what they did is they learned not to go to church. And they learned that the things of the Lord were not a priority, that everything else was more important. This is something for you to pray about, parents. What is it a priority in your life? Because there's a lot of things that can pull us away from the things of the Lord, learning from the Lord, and being in fellowship with other believers. So Paul is saying, in your home, listen, speaking to one another in hymns and psalms and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord, and wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let wives be to their own husbands in everything. And husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word. The roles and responsibility of husbands and wives. That husbands, you're the head of the wife. Also, Christ is the head of the church, and he's the savior of the body. Listen, husbands that are here, the Lord has ordained you and specifically commissioned you to be the head of your home. That you are the head of the wife. That does not mean that you get to walk around being all dictatorial and Mr. King Tut and everything you know that I say goes, listen, it's an awesome responsibility. And being the head of the home and being the head of your wife does not mean that you are better than your wife. It doesn't mean that God loves you more than your wife. It doesn't mean that you get to just walk all over your wife. You are to love her as Christ loves the church. How did Christ love us? He came and he served. He said, I didn't come to be served, but to be the servant of all. He loves us unconditionally. He laid down his life for us. And that's what you are to do, husband. 
Jesus became obedient and becoming a man, a bondservant, and obedient and humbled himself to where he was, was one that went to the cross for you and for me, Philippians chapter 2. And you see, just because you're the head and God has ordained that in your family, again, it was in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 that we talk about headship, and Paul writes, but I want you to know that the head of every man is Christ, the head of woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. Let me ask you this. Was Jesus inferior to the Father? No. Who considered not robbery to be equal with God, but humbled himself, became a servant, a bondservant, was obedient to death, to death on the cross. Listen, your wife's submission to you is in humility and obedience to the Lord. And she is to be submissive as unto the Lord. But you have the responsibility to lead and to serve her and to cherish her and to lay down your life for her and to love her unconditionally. And God's going to hold you accountable to that. So husbands, lead your families. Lead your families. And I know that we may be speaking to some that you're the only believing spouse or parent that is in the home. And we're going to pray for you and help you and encourage you. But guys, you that are here, lead your family. I think one of the greatest needs in the church today is that men would lead. That they would lead their families spiritually and not be passive about it. And as you are leading in the way you're supposed to, then your wife is going to, it's going to be a great joy to submit to you. Now, in her submitting to you, listen, married couples, it doesn't mean you can't make decisions together. Sue and I make most of our decisions together. We pray about it. We search God's word. The Lord lays it on our hearts. But there are times where she will turn to me and say, you're the head of this home. I'm going to be praying for you. This is what the Lord has put on my heart but you're going to be responsible, and so it's your decision to make. So it's an awesome responsibility, guys. You're to live with your wife, 1 Peter chapter 3 tells us, in an understanding way. What does that mean? It means you listen to her. It means you encourage her. And the things that are important to her need to be important to you. And in that, Peter goes on to say that if you don't live with your wife in an understanding way, that your prayers are going to be hindered. It means you talk with her and you cherish her, as I said. And wives, be submissive to your husband as unto the Lord. And you respect your husband. So as we talk about marriage, there's so much more that we can talk about, but I want to go into chapter 6 in children. Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you that you may live long on the earth. And you fathers do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in a training and admonition to the Lord. One of the things that the, the Lord really has put on my heart for tonight is in raising our children, because it is one of the hardest things that we will do, whether you're single parents or, you know, you're a married couple raising kids, your grandparents raising your grandchildren. It's one of the most challenging things that you will do. And it's a very difficult thing in the world in which we're living in. But it's one of the most rewarding things that we will do is being a parent or raising children or ministering to them. Maybe you're an aunt, maybe you're an uncle. You have you know, great influence to, to your nieces and nephews. But we are ones that we need God's instruction and help as we're raising children today in our culture and in our society. You know, I look at the book of Acts and I, I think about Philip. He had four daughters who were, you know, of great purity that we see and they were prophetess. You look at that, what a success story. But then you look at the Old Testament, you look at David, and David was a great warrior. He was a great administrator. He's the greatest king that Israel ever had. But he was one that he had his home in disarray and children were in rebellion because he failed to discipline and, and, and deal with them at times. 
So some things that I want you to write down, seven things, okay, when it comes to, to raising your children in the ways of the Lord that I hope is going to be a blessing for you. Number one, parents realize that children are a blessing and a gift from God. Realize that children are a blessing and a gift from God. Parenthood is a gift and a blessing and a privilege to us. In the Old Testament, having children was considered one of the greatest blessings that a person could have. Today's society is losing that perspective more and more. Children are seen as a hardship. When Psalm 127 tells us that, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. So not only seeing that children are a blessing, but being a parent is a blessing as well. And it's not a burden. It should bring great joy and gladness, as Proverbs chapter 22, verse 25 says, Let your father and your mother be glad. So, number one, knowing that Having children is a blessing. Number two, being a parent is a blessing. Don't give the thought and have your kids think that you guys are such a burden. This is so hard. You guys, it's a problem. If it, you know, it'd be a lot easier if you weren't around. We don't want to give that kind of attitude and message to our kids, do we? Tell them, man, having kids is a blessing. And soon I raised four kids, and we think, man, what a blessed life that we had. And it was hard at times, and it was difficult. But what a tremendous privilege it was that the Lord lent us those four kids to be able to raise them. And being a parent, we realized how much of a blessing that was and a privilege. And I know not every couple is going to have parent, kids or can have kids, but for you who do, being a parent is a blessing as well. Thirdly, listen, a child's most important influence comes from the parents, not others. It does not mean that others are not a good influence and godly influence. We want to be a good influence for you here. I want to be a good influence to your children, the, the children's ministry teachers, the youth uh, leaders, we want to come alongside, and there are kids that are coming here that their parents aren't believers. They're coming with friends, or they're coming with grandparents, or they're coming with uncles and aunts, and we are going to be the primary ones that are going to be ministering to them. But you parents, listen. The most important influence comes from you. And we have been divinely and sovereignly called to the duty and responsibility of raising our kids in the training and admonition of the Lord. God has given his commandment to his people, Deuteronomy chapter 5. And the Lord said, You shall walk in all the ways which the Lord your God has commanded you, that you may live and that you may be well with you, and that you may prolong your days in the land that you possess. And then Deuteronomy chapter 6, many of you know the verses 6 and 7, And these words I command you today shall be in your heart, and you shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. Latest studies that the average parent spends one-on-one -on -one 11 minutes every day with their child. That's it. We get so busy. We have jobs. We have responsibilities. But what can happen is we can come home and we zone out. I'm tired. I wanted to relax. So you guys just kind of watch the TV. I hope Johnny, I hope Susie goes to their friends. But just kind of leave me alone. Parents, grandparents, as much as you can, we need to spend time with our kids. We need to invest in them, teaching them, sharing with them the things of the Lord. And please don't get into the mindset of what so many Christian parents have done. I don't need to share with them the scriptures or spend time praying with them. I'll leave that to the Sunday school teacher or to the youth pastor. The scripture makes it very clear. You parents, you teach them and train your children in the ways that they should go.
don't leave your children and give your children to other influence other influences that will shape their character in a ungodly way and it can happen so easily in our culture society today listen God has made parenting a full-time ministry in Judges chapter 2 we read that the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua then after the death of Joshua, another generation arose after them who did not know the Lord, and they served the gods of Baal and Astaroth. And when you read the book of Judges, you see that the compromises came small, but then eventually everyone was doing what was right in their own eyes. That's the theme of the book of Judges. It's really a sad book because of God's people turning to the gods of the Canaanites. When I read the statistics today, about the youth that is in the church, how between 80 and 90 is what the latest stats are showing, uh, percent of youth don't believe in absolute truth. What does that mean? It means that they think that truths can be found in other religions or other worldly philosophies, even if it's contrary to God's word. Over half are graduating high school and are walking away from the church not desiring to walk with God anymore. They're partying, they're getting involved sexually, with getting involved with drugs and alcohol. And I think that our children, when they, they leave home, they are, as we know, more susceptible to being sucked into sin in the world. And if we haven't taken Deuteronomy chapter 6 to heart, that we are to teach them the Word of God that we are to spend time with them, that we are to train our children in the ways of the Lord. And as they grow up, to talk to them about the things of God, about sin. And they're going to have to grow up and make up their own minds. And I've known parents that have done their very best in raising their children in the ways of the Lord, and their children have walked away from the Lord. And we're going to talk about what we can do and how we can present them before the Lord and pray for them. But parents, listen, don't let other influences of the world of evil, the computer, the internet, social media, the TV, other things, be the primary influence in your kids' lives. You be the one that influences your kids. Dad, take your kids for a walk. Take them for a walk. You speak love and grace into the lives of your daughters, your sons. Share with them what the Lord means to you. Share with them God's word. Show them how the Lord has blessed you. What if he's speaking to you? And I love that verse. I've shared it with you before, but it's so important. Mark it down. Exodus chapter 32, verse 34, that the Lord comes to Moses and says, Okay, Moses, now you take the people to the place which I have spoken to you. You cannot take your family to the place that the Lord wants you to if he isn't speaking to you. If you're not allowing him to show you, you're not going to be able to lead. You cannot commit the things of God to them if you're not committed to God yourself. And you are sending a message of spiritual indifference and hypocrisy. Is your, listen, is your obedience to the Father the same kind of submission that you would long to see from your own kids? Do you long to be a godly man, a godly woman, and then sharing the, that godly influence to your children? Number four, raising your kids. Make sure that you show your children their sin. Make sure that you teach your children from the youngest age that disobedience and misbehavior is not merely an offense against mom and dad. It is also a sin against a holy God. And because God is holy, he hates sin, and sin does so much destruction and brings corruption. 
Now, when we help children understand their own sin, it doesn't mean that we're constantly criticizing them and putting them down and, and, and you know, uh, just being critical all the time. Instead, you instruct them tenderly that sin is a violation of God's law and sin is what makes, you know, peace and joy and happiness impossible for the unbeliever. That we all have that sin nature and that we all need and have to have redemption and God to help us in our lives. May they see that in your life. That there is joy and there is blessing and benefit and true peace in your life because you walk with God and you're desiring to be obedient to God. Again, they're not going to see perfection in us. But when they see that, they would have a desire to be obedient to Him. Talk to your kids what it means to dishonor God. And then take them to the scriptures. Hey, you lied. You didn't just irritate mom and dad, but look and see what God's word, you know, tells us what happens. Like with Abraham when he lied, or David, or Ananias and Sapphira, the consequences. Take the time to teach your children diligently. So the question that all of us can ask ourselves, when was the last time that you shared with your children from the Bible when they disobeyed? Because you're the one that has to do it. You think Hollywood's going to do it? You think the TV's going to do it? No. You think social media's going to do it? What they are going to show your kids and teach your kids is disrespect and disobedience and rebelling against authority is the mainstream. I ask this not to condemn or judge, but for all of us in the honesty of our hearts. How many times, how much time have you talked to your kids about God's word and walking with him and being obedient? That disobedience and sin is against God dealing with their hearts. We need to make sure that our kids understand that sin corrupts. What is the fruit of sin? But we can fail to do that. And you know why I think a lot of parents are failing to do that? Because I think a lot of churches are failing to do that. So parents, we are charged with the teaching of our kids about sin and obedience and to respect authority. Number five, the fifth principle, raising and training your children in the ways that he should go, is teach them God's wisdom. That's a given, isn't it? Psalm 111 verse 3 tells us the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. No one is truly wise who rejects or disregards the gospel message. But beyond this basic truth of fearing the Lord, there are so many other vital biblical lessons that we need to teach them and show them when it comes to character, when it comes to integrity and discernment and purity and conduct. Make sure that they understand that true wisdom includes not just knowing God's precept and His word, but doing them. Genuine biblical wisdom means what? Knowing God's word and then walking in it. And as parents, it is our duty not only to teach our sons and daughters the wise concepts of wise living, but you are to model it for them as well. And listen, if you're not modeling it and you're bringing them here and wanting them to learn it and then they go home and they see you're not doing it, it's a mixed message. It doesn't work. Help them to understand that the fear of God, the awe and reverence of God is the one true foundation of wisdom. And as we talk about that and sin, what it does, that is an offense against God. Teach your children to guard their minds. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, keep your heart with all diligence, uh, for out of it, it springs the issue of life. How our kids and ourselves need to guard our minds, especially in this age that we're in, in these last days. Never have the forces of evil waged a campaign to captivate human minds on the scale that we're seeing today. When we have children under our roofs, parents, you are responsible for guarding their minds. What I mean by that is the shows that you're watching in your home. The movies. What have they seen you watch? Music being listened to? 
Parents, protect your kids from exposure to evil. Monitor what it is that they see and hear. Don't just simply turn them loose in their rooms where they have the internet and they have, you know, their computers and all the other things and uh, stereos and all of this. And you haven't walked into their rooms for months? You might think, well, I respect their privacy. Respect their privacy, but it doesn't mean that you neglect your responsibility for supervision. And we've got to realize that you cannot teach your children to guard their hearts and minds by just shielding from the external influences of evil or isolation because it's all around us. It's all around us. But train your children to be wise and discerning. Again, talk to them about cultivating wholesome thoughts because out of our thoughts comes our conduct. As a man thinks, so he is, Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, a great verse to teach to your kids. Finally, brethren, Paul writes, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you have learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do. And the God of peace will be with you. Are they seeing it in you? Are they learning it from you? Are they receiving it from you? Are they seeing those things in you, parent, things that are noble and just and pure and lovely? The things that are in your home and watched and listened to, is it praiseworthy? Is it of good report? Teach your children to fear the Lord about obeying parents because if they don't learn to obey you, they're not going to learn to obey Heavenly Father. There's so much to show them and teach them and train them in. We could spend another hour talking about it. We really could. Teach your children to select good friends. Parents, it's so vital that we do this. But yet I see it so often neglected. Proverbs 13, verse 20. He who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. Paul wrote to the Corinthian church, evil company corrupts good habits. Bad influences does pose a danger. Paul said a little leaven leavens the whole lump. Young people are being lured into crime and gangs and drugs and alcohol. And our kids face tremendous peer pressure to conform to a standard of a conduct that is ungodly and evil and sinful. Teach your kids about selecting good friends. Talk to them about who they hang out with. Teach your children to control their lust. Paul told Timothy, flee useful lust, but pursue righteousness. It's the dominant theme of the first few chapters of Proverbs. Teach your children to watch their words, to pursue to be a good worker. Teach them the value of hard works. Dads, teach your sons to work. Don't raise lazy kids. Don't raise lazy kids or one that procrastinates, full of excuses, and they grow up only doing what they enjoy, and they delay in what to, you know, to be something that they don't want to do or unpleasant to do. We all have to do things that are unpleasant, don't we? They have to learn that. And kids are growing up, and they're having a hard time keeping a job when they get out on their own because they haven't learned to work. And all throughout the Bible, we see that work is good. Teach your kids to work and the benefits of good work. Teach your children to manage their money. Proverbs 3 says, Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of your increase. But yet, parents can be such a poor example of that in that area. Teach your children not to gossip, to love their neighbors the value of kindness and mercy and compassion to respect others, to be positive. And then number six that I'd like to give you here in raising your children in the Lord, make sure you discipline your children. I hated disciplining my kids. I really did, but I knew that I needed to. And here Paul says, you fathers, don't provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. 
Fathers, you are to lead in that. Parents, make sure you're on the same page on that, that you're in agreement, but don't neglect it. Make sure that you discipline them. Don't just talk about it a lot. Don't just threaten them. Don't ignore it. Don't give in. But when they need to be disciplined, and Proverbs talks a whole lot about disciplining, then you need to discipline them. And lastly, this is probably one of the most important things, is pray for your kids. Pray for them and pray with them. Pray for them. Job got up early in the morning. He sacrificed a bull on behalf of his ten kids, lest they sin in their hearts and forgot God. It wasn't easy for Job to get up early and to fillet a, a bull. And he took the time and expended the energy to do that. Listen, we cannot, as parents, grandparents, we cannot have the mindset, well, I don't have time to pray for him. Or I don't know if it's all that important. We need to pray for our kids. You pray for them, you pray with them. You pray for them and you don't stop. And we're going to pray with you. You pray over their room. You pray over them. And you may be here and you may be thinking, Pastor, but it's, it's too late. My kids are out and they're on their own and they're in rebellion. You keep praying. Because the God of heaven who loves them hears you. And you keep praying for them and don't stop. All right? Be praying for your kids. Love them. Lead. Be a godly influence. These things are very important because the world is coming at us as families at an incredible, you know, it's like a wave that's crashing against us. And the fracturing of the family, the tearing down the family, you know, the crumbling of the family we see all around us. But we have the answer. It's Jesus Christ. Listen, give them the word of God, pray with them, keep bringing them to church, be a godly influence for them. And that as you do, you're going to see that fruit's going to begin to be produced. Husbands, love your wives, lead your families, all right? Know what's going on underneath your roof. Protect your homes. Have the Lord be a priority of your home. So, Lord, we thank you. We thank you for these things, and we could talk a long time, Lord. It's such an incredible subject, and especially in the day in which we're living in. And, Father, I do pray, because we all come in maybe different states. We all come in in different circumstances and situations. So, Lord, I want to pray for all of us, Lord, that we need you desperately. We need your help. We need your empowering. And Lord, that we would make a commitment to you. Listen, if you're here, first of all, and you're not a believer, you're not going to be able to do any of this until you surrender your life to Jesus Christ. That he came and died for you. that he desires to save you as you come to him and ask for forgiveness. As you ask for Jesus to come into your life to be your personal Lord and Savior, to give you a new heart, to have right relationship with the Father, to be saved. If there's anyone here that you've never done that, we want to give you the opportunity because these aren't just principles of the world. These are principles of God, truth of God. And you're not going to be able to do it until you surrender to God. And you're born again by the Spirit of God. He loves you. He wants to save you and forgive you. And you can pray, Jesus, I come to you right now and I ask that you forgive me of my sins. And I come and I ask that you be my personal Lord and Savior. I believe you're alive and you rose from the grave and you're knocking on the door of my heart and I ask that you sit upon the throne of my life. I want to know you. 
and walk with you. And I thank you for this new beginning. Fill me with your love and fill me with your wisdom. Thank you for hearing my prayer in Jesus' name. And when we end here, I'm going to stay up here and pray for anybody that needs prayer, but for you who made a decision for Christ, I want you to come up and talk with me so I can bless you and just encourage you. But for all of us, Lord, none of us are perfect parents. None of us are perfect grandparents or uncles or aunts or husbands and wives. We need you desperately, Lord. And your word is very clear that husbands, you're to love your wives as Christ loved the church. So Lord, help us husbands to do that, to cherish them, to serve them, to lay down our lives for them, to listen to them, to live with them in an understanding way. To lead in a way that's protecting our family and our wives, providing for them. Lord, help us wives to be submissive to their husbands as unto the Lord, to respect their husbands. I pray that you strengthen marriages. The couples right now would just make that commitment to you, Lord, that you bring healing where there needs to be healing and restoration and forgiveness. Lord, that you heal the hurts the two hearts would come together and seek you and humble themselves before you in their marriage and to know that you desire to do that work and to bless them. And Father, as parents and grandparents, to raise our children in the ways of the Lord because the world is like a slaughter out there, pulling them away from you and your ways that these things that we talked about help us because we need you. That our homes would have the presence of the Lord and the priority of the Lord in our lives and family. It's so easy to let other things, the cares of this world, begin to dominate. And Lord, they're not necessarily bad things, but Lord, they take us away from you. And then all of a sudden we look back and we think, how did we get here? How do we get to where our kids don't care about the Lord? Or they don't want to go to church anymore? Or we get lazy about the th- sharing with them the Word of God and being in fellowship and praying for them. Lord, help us to be watching and sober and vigilant and to be that godly example to them that they see the reality of Jesus in our lives. That even as Moses was told, to lead them and show them the place that they should go, that I've shown you, that you would show us and guide us through your word and speaking to us. Lord, be with our kids that are going through such pressure and turmoil in so many ways that Satan has to get into their minds and into their lives, Lord. That you protect them protect our homes and we would stand for righteousness and teach them about sin about how it hurts a God the heart of a father and it brings corruption to them that we would share with them every day and speak truth and grace and love into their lives spend time with them and invest in them not ignore them Lord, we thank you for these reminders. And Lord, I pray for those who have children that they think, Lord, they're so lost in the world. There is hope in you. And we lift them up to you right now. Just lift up your children, your grandchildren. If you're thinking they're so far, they've been in the world, they're on drugs, they're on alcohol, they're in jail, whatever, you lift them up right now to the Lord. And Lord, we lift them up to you because we know there is no one that is too far gone to be reached. For you to minister to them, take the blindness off, soften their hearts. Lord, draw them to yourself. Bring salvation to them. Bring godly influence into their lives. May parents continue to have godly influence. And Lord, do that work. 
Lord, work in our families, in our marriages, with our kids in every way. Lord, we thank you for tonight. And may we as a church really encourage each other, pray for each other, and build each other up. Not putting others down because they're going through difficulties or their kids are, but Lord, to be here, to bring the comfort that they need and the instruction that they need and the prayers. So Lord, we thank you for tonight. Pray you take everyone home safely now. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Would you please stand?